If I am not convinced in my heart, this is where God put me, then what am I going to hold on to? Nothing. So that's why vision becomes so important in our life. Vision so we can see. See beyond the natural. See beyond these hard, tough times. In 2 Timothy 1.12, it says, I know the one I have believed and I am sure that he is able. Paul writing to Timothy, I know the one and I believed and I am sure he is able. The King James Version uses the word persuaded. I know them whom I believed and I am persuaded that he is able. I want to ask you, when you're believing God for something, are you persuaded that he's able? That when you read the word that all things are possible to them that believe, do you believe that? It's getting quiet here. Nothing is impossible for him. The Bible tells us that. How far are we prepared to believe that? How far are we prepared to push ourselves out there believing that? So hope gives us, sorry, hope gives up when there's opposition. But I've just jumped something. I need to go back. You see, Paul Russell Timothy says, I know the one who I believed and I am persuaded that he is able. So let's go back to the two blind men that were following, uh, they're crying out to Jesus. Number one, they shouted. Okay. The second thing is they followed Jesus into the house. I'm not too sure whether those two blind people were invited into the house. But their desperation, and there's the key to faith, it's how desperate are you and I? How desperate Do we need God to break through here? How desperate do we need to see that miracle? What are we prepared to do to see that? So yeah, they go and they somehow invite themselves into the house. Now, I want to also throw this thing out there. Many people, well, let's take that many out of there. Some people will express their need and tell you that they're trusting God, but they actually don't want God to answer their need. Do you know why? Because their need gives them attention. They don't want to get out of their troubles because that's the key to getting attention. It's very sad. That's talking to me about a person that's broken on the inside, a person that has a very low self-esteem, a person that's looking for man's affirmation. We need God's affirmation. We need God's approval. We need... To know that when what God's word says about us is true. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. My soul knows it very well. He is for me. He's not against me. His plans for me are good. Those are the kind of scriptures that I need to be speaking regularly over my life. Reminding myself of who I am so that I have confidence in who he is. Because if I don't have confidence in him, how can I approach him? That's why Paul cries, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I don't want to just know about him. Many of us just know about him. But he wants us to know him, know him intimately and personally. So in verse 27, it says, they shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 28, they followed him. There was a persistence on the inside of them. They kept on pressing in. Would not take no as the answer. Can I ask us to do one thing? That when you get a no, when you've been asking, you ignore it and you ask again. Will you do that? And when you get a no again, you ignore it and you ask again. 
And when you get a no again, you keep asking. Keep asking. The Bible says knock. And it will be answered. But when I'm desperate, I don't go like this. Oh, nobody's at home. No, when I'm desperate, This morning, so we, we booked ourselves into a guest house, and so um, Joel had his own room. Now, that's trouble already because he doesn't have any alarm system to wake him up. And um, so it's going to bang on the window of his room that he's in to wake him up um, because his room was down a passage and there's a gate, and I don't have any keys, and he's locked himself in his room. And so this morning, I'm banging on the window. And eventually, I huh? So hey, you must get up. No, 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 okay, cool. So I go and shower. When I come back again, time to leave to get to the whatever. He's still fast asleep in his bed. So then we have to bang down the window again just to try and get his attention. In Matthew 9, 29, Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Notice Jesus does not just do miracles. He often put out a challenge. He said, he said to the two blind people, do you believe? Do you believe? Jesus can do anything just like that. But he's going to involve you and I because it's out of the relationship that I have with him that all these things flow. And that's the key to you and I walking in a new dimension. And uh, Adrian Rogers said this, faith that hasn't been tested cannot be trusted. Faith that has never been tested cannot be trusted. You can't wait until the day you desperately need things to happen that you and I are going to start to work on our faith. No, 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 no. You and I should be working on our faith now. When life is easy, please listen to me. When life is easy, start to apply your faith and learn how to trust God. So there's a time when I, when I started work. Um, I started as a, an apprentice in, in Zimbabwe. And my first paycheck was 150 Zimbabwe dollars. Not American dollars, Zimbabwe dollars. 150 American dollars is a lot of money. Anyway, um, our house rent was 500. So already, we're on the back foot. So my mom, who's now, she was 60 something then, and I was the only one that wasn't married. So she decided that, that she felt more comfortable coming to stay with me. So her pension was 200. So, hallelujah, we had now 350, but we still need a tithe. I got to, because now you have, you say, I don't even have enough to pay rent. How do you tithe on top of that? Well, $15 is not going to make any difference to this figure that's not working. So I'd rather take my chance of tithing and trusting God. And it's amazing how. Um, I think in those weeks, for seven years, we lived like that. Where we had to trust God every single day. Now, hey, I didn't say trusting God is easy. So, so because I was an apprentice, I, wasn't, I didn't have the right to any uh, uh, um, accommodation in town. So there was this, this cottage that we got was a one-bedroom cottage out in the middle of the sugarcane, 10 kilometers out of town. So now church is... 40 kilometers away. I'm giving you all the mathematics to put together over here. And so we had to make some decisions that either I was going to drive to work every day and then not have any money to go to church, 
Or I walk to work and we drive to church. I'm a tither. But I'm also hungry for God. So I would walk. But it's not not walk down the road and catch a lift. This is through sugarcane land. Where there's nobody going up and down other than other people walking, going to work. And that's how it, and so we did that. Why? So that I could get myself to a place where I was fed the word of God. Why? So that I could become strong and know how to trust God. That Jesus would become a part of my life. Why did I tell you that story? i got no clue. Faith that hasn't been tested cannot be trusted. So Jesus is able to make it happen. But how desperate are we for it? How desperate. Oh, we. I remember the one time. <laughs> so, I was young those days. And um, you know when you're young, you actually have no brains. Okay, no, no, sorry. No, I, I had no brains. Let me <laughs> let's exclude everybody else. I had no brains. So whenever we used to go to church, this was a 40-kilometer ride. And so there was a lot of guys living in this town, going to that town for church, whatever. Man, and I would like, blast them, and I would really harass them. So I was just that young guy that, that tried to just irritate everybody. <laughs> and so one day we're after we church, we're coming home. And I know I don't have enough money and petrol in my car to get back home. I know it. And there's no garages. It's not like here, just drive down the road. and The, the next garage is 40 kilometers, which is in the next town. And I'm, but I don't have the money to put in there. And so I'm riding, but I'm riding so slow that I can try and get as close to home as possible. And then I'm going to have to walk and make a plan after that. So the other guy, older gentleman, he comes with his car. Past me, and he hoots, he's gone. And then all of a sudden he sees brake lights. He stops on the side of the road, and I come chugging up slowly. So um, I stop next to him, and he says, what's wrong with you? I said, ah, no, I'm just thinking about the word today, and then, you know, and I'm just pondering and just letting Jesus minister to me. He says, you're lying, you little rascal. Jesus told me you need petrol. I'll follow you to make sure you get to the garage. When you, <laughs> when you are going to prepare to trust God, I'm telling you, God's going to put people around you that's going to help you. They're going to inspire you. They're going to be there. Because why? That doesn't make good English. Because God doesn't want you to fall. He wants you to grow. He wants you to grow. But we're going to have to trust him. You see, our faith is going to have to go and get it out of the supernatural and bring it into the natural. How can I explain this to you? I want you to think of train tracks. They run parallel. And if you can get an, an idea, one is the physical life that we're living, and the other one is the spiritual life, the promises that God has spoken to us. And while we are walking along this one track, every time we need something, our faith arm is having to reach out into this lane to go and grab hold of the promises of God and bring it into this lane so that we can experience it. That's how faith works. And we have to develop that arm. That arm doesn't just work by itself. And that's why we have to call things that be not as though they were. We have to call those things that God's promised and we have to call them into our life. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't say, God, I don't have a home. I say, Father, I thank you that I have a home that I'm moving into. I'm not too sure when, and I'm not too sure how the agents and all those guys are going to kind of like handle me when I tell them I can't move out at the end of the month. But all I know is that your favor is going to be on this scene because I'm trusting you. I have no one else to help me.
I've done everything that I know how. I hope this is helping somebody. So my faith is like my son. I can send him to do things. I can send him on an errand. But the errand that I give him can only be at the capacity of what he can handle. You see, so right now, he can go and do errands around the house and feed the dog. I can't ask him to drive my car out the garage. I suppose I can. But I'll regret it. Because <laughs> I'll have to fix a house and a car and, and a whole lot of other stuff. So, you, so that's my faith. My faith can't function on stuff that I haven't developed it to handle and to go and, and, and get. So in Ephesians 1, 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, what? Blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So where's your blessing? In the heavenly realms, in Christ. But I'm living in the earthly realm where I need the heavenly realm to manifest itself. Faith is my arm that reaches out over there. That's why I've got to be a person that's living a life in the Spirit. And the Word of God. And time with Him. And building that thing. Getting to know Him. That is why vision is necessary. You have to start seeing the supernatural. You have to start to see that. See, faith is going to put you, your name on the line. <laughs> Let me tell you another story. Sorry I'm telling you stories about my life. But right now I don't have very many other ones. So in Lady Brand, uh, the church we picked up was a church that had gone through a lot of, lot of challenges and there was, there was no confidence in leadership at all. And so when we moved there, we had a desire and that was to buy a home so that we could demonstrate that we are not here to leave. So if you look at the history of the church, the church had been there for 30 years. Pastor Art, who had um, led the church, uh, led it for the first six years and we had been there for nine years. So if you take all the others, we were the ninth pastor that had been there. So you take two away from that and divide the rest of the years, you get to find out that, that leadership had only been there for maximum two years. And every time there's a change in leadership, it's kind of like we're shaking. And then there was lots of things that were going wrong as well. And, and, and some decisions that were made that really hurt people and that kind of stuff. So that, that's the history. So the reason why, well, one of the reasons why is obviously we wanted to own our own home. But number two, we wanted to send a message. Guys, we're not wanting to leave. We're actually wanting to stay. We had a build. And, um, but now the church was in debt and da 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 There was lots of, lots of challenges. And so after a five-year process, we got to a place where we could possibly apply for a home. And a, a nice five-bedroom home was selling for a million rand. Wouldn't you like that home in Cape Town? Yes. So anyway, we go and we make the application. First bank says no. Second bank says no. Third bank says they'll give me, I think it was 50%. Well, I didn't have any other money. So I needed a far higher bond than that. So I stood up in church. And I said, people, I just want to know that I have, we have put in an application to buy a home. 
This is the track record. That bank said no. That bank said no. This bank said 50%. We are now putting our last application into the last bank that we know. And I want to say to you publicly today, that house is ours and nobody else can take it. (laughs) You might as well put your faith out there. Remember, faith is going to mess up your name possibly. So put it out there. That bank comes back. We've given you a 90% bond. So somewhere along the line, my faith has to become very vocal. And you're going to have to trust God. How many of you have heard of Yonggi Cho? Yeah? Yonggi Cho, for those of you who don't know South Korea, um, I think the biggest church that's ever existed in the world. I think there's like a million uh, members kind of stuff. Uh, amazing man. But anyway, when he started his walk with God, I mean, a very poor man, owned nothing. And um, he just said to the Lord, he said, Lord, I, I, I need a desk and a chair so I can study your word and work. And, and I need a bicycle so I can get around to see people. And the, so he just felt God say, you know, read what my word says about trusting me. And, um, and then he, he saw what call, God calls things that do not as though they are. And, and, and so he got up in church and he said, church, I want you to know that I have a chair, a bicycle, and a desk. And so after the service, people came to him and they said, we want to see your bicycle, your desk, and your chair. Come to my house. Brings it to the house and there's nothing in his house. So they said, where's your thing? He says, I want to ask you something. He says, when a woman is pregnant, can you see? What's inside? They say, no. He says, I'm pregnant with a bicycle, a chair, and a desk. (laughs) So, it's time for us to become pregnant. Pregnant. Not even looking. Romans 4, 17 says, call things that be not as though they were. I want to tell you about a business guy that I know in Durban. And... um, Years ago, he, he worked for a company that just used to deliver. He, he had his little motorbike things, and, and so he would go and he would deliver things. And anyway, the, the pastor, he, he, he really loved cars, loved working on cars and that kind of stuff. And one day he found out that there was a panel beating business for sale. And his pastor says, go and find out. So he goes there, and they wanted some horrific figure of, of like two million or something for the business. And I mean, yeah, he's a scooter driver just delivering things. And uh, he goes back to the pastor, he says, two million bucks. He says, that's like impossible. I don't even have any of my assets that I have don't even come to like a 100,000 you know, bucks. So I've got no security. So the pastor says to him, go back again and ask them what's the best deal that they can do. Anyway, so they go there, and um, this thing goes backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And eventually that guy, and, and I'm hoping that one day I'll get him here, that that guy bought that business that they wanted to, I think it was two million uh, rand for then. Um, in fact, he, he told me he'll be in business for 20 years this year coming. That he bought that business for 250,000 rand and he could pay it off. He didn't have to have the cash up front. You see, when, 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 when you are believing that God is bigger than the challenges that you face, you just keep going back and you keep knocking on the door. You keep knocking, you keep knocking, you keep knocking, because somewhere along the line, God's going to come through. So remember, vision ignites faith to believe. You see, vision gets us looking For something specific. Vision is looking 
with different eyes. You see, there's actually nothing wrong with my eyeballs when, it lo- when I'm looking far. You guys all look good without these things on. But when I look over here, everything seems to mix. And so when I put these things on, I can see clearly here. And so I've made these things trifocals so that I can see there, I can see there, and I can see there. So I don't have to put these things on and off, on and off, because I get annoyed with those things. And we need to understand that God wants to give you and I the same kind of glasses to put on so that we don't look with our own eyes and see everything blurred and it doesn't make sense, but we start to see clearly what God actually wants to do. Both the hummingbird and the vulture fly over the nation's deserts. All vultures see is rotten meat. Listen to this because that is what they're looking for. And they thrive on their diet. But the hummingbird ignores the smelly flesh of dead animals. Instead, they look for the colorful blossoms of desert plants. Vultures live on what was. They live on the past. They fill themselves with what is dead and gone. But hummingbirds live on what is. They seek new life. They fill themselves with freshness of life and life. Each bird finds what is looking for. In fact, we all do. We all do. If you and I are looking through glasses that are keeping looking at the past and looking at all the things that have gone horribly wrong in life, you have no faith to reach forward. Somewhere along the line, we have to take the glasses that look backwards off and we've got to start to put glasses on that look forward. Father, I want to now trust you with my future. The Bible says that he holds me in the palm of his hand. The Bible says he holds my future. Proverbs says, a man plans his ways, but God directs his footsteps. Vision, mixed with faith, starts to plan your way forward. And in that planning, God starts to direct us and puts us in certain places. That's why vision will always require faith, and God's vision will always be bigger than you and I. God's never going to ask you to do something that you can naturally do. You want to walk in, in, in the gift that he's given you? Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to step out in faith. You have to step out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to step out of the things that, that you know how to do and step into what you're not too sure how is going to work. And if you fail, what are you going to do? Can I tell you another life story? I'm telling you all my stories one day. <laughs> so when I was at school... Um, I think they made me a prefect just to try and stop me being naughty, I think. Um, I, wasn't, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't in the top of the classes. I actually was in the bottom grade, whatever, but it's okay. And, um, so, but, but the problem is that prefects had to do Toastmasters. Toastmasters is where you kind of get given something and you have to make a speech on. And now there weren't very many. There were 16 other, other uh, students and I think there were four teachers. And, and those are the, that's a crowd. So it's not like a massive crowd. Man, and I would get my topic and I would, I would memorize the whole thing, but I would be shaking. I'm so nervous. I would be sweating. And when I would stand up there and when I saw all those eyes looking at me, at me I forgot my whole thing. I pull out my piece of paper and I read my speech. And man, for like a half an hour afterwards, they crit. You did this wrong. You did that thing wrong. So after a year, <laughs> of making speeches. and So they now sum up everybody. And the teacher that's running this thing says, Basil, 
He says, I want to advise you not to get into a place where you have to stand up in front of people and talk because it's not you. I leave school with that mentality. Now, I get excited about Jesus and I start hanging around some people that they start to see something else in my life. So then they, they say, okay, come here. We're going to teach you to how to be a home cell leader, which is a comm leader. And um, so they, they, say, they give us a topic to prepare. And they say, we only want you to talk for 10 minutes maximum. I said, shop, no problem. I prepare. In two minutes, I'm finished. There's an old gentleman that's in the eldership. And um, he looks at me. He says, son, he said, you had a lot of good things to say. The problem is you said them so fast, we never heard one of them. And so now they make me this, this home cell leader. And I'm saying, I don't want this thing. And they say, no, you're going to do it. I, I can't tell you how many things that went horribly wrong. Now, I wasn't very good at talking. So what you're seeing right here is, is a miracle that God did. <laughs> but this has been years of, of talking now, okay? So we kind of like worked on a couple of things. I mean, it was so bad. The one time there was other, two, there's two other youngsters that, that, um, I don't know. They, I think they were born to irritate me. Have you found those kind of people? And they land up in your community. <laughs> and, and every time I would talk and sometimes the words would come out wrong and all that kind of stuff. And then they would laugh at me one day in the community. I got, I, I lost it. I got up. I was going to go over and punch those O's. I wanted to punch their lights right out. Praise God. There was an older gentleman that grabbed me. He said, no, no, no. We don't sort this thing out like this. It put me back down again. So all I'm just telling you is that this journey might not be easy, but if you will just keep trying, you will just keep standing up when, when the thing fails, just get up again and keep going. Remember this, a boxer only loses the fight if he stays down and doesn't stand up. He's going to take punches. Things are going to get tough. He might even get hurt. But as long as you keep standing up, you're still in the fight. You're still in the race. You're going to win in Jesus' name. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Matthew 17. Father asked Jesus to heal his son. Son is an epileptic. He's falling into the fire. He's falling into the water. Brought him to the disciples. And he says they could not heal him. And then Jesus prays for him. Touches him. He's healed. And the disciples asked him why. And in Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, Because you also have so little faith, I tell you the truth. If you have faith... As small as a mustard seed. Do you know how that is? Do you know how small that is? A mustard seed you almost can't see with your eye. That's how tiny it is. Jesus saying, if you have this faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. In other words, what Jesus is trying to encourage you and I here is that if you will just dare to believe him, he will do stuff for you. So, what we see there is my faith will not always be enough for the task at hand. And I have to build my faith for the task. So, faith is knowing who God is. That's how faith grows. That's why faith comes. What does the word say? Faith comes? Can we say it again? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The more you allow, you put yourself under the word and allow the word to speak to you, the more that you will spend time in the word, I'm telling you, it will unlock something because the word is going to teach you who 
God is. And you'll get to realize I can trust him. I can trust him with my life. I know that he's bigger than this thing, this challenge that I'm facing. Daniel 11.32, those who know their God. It doesn't say those who know about God. It says those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. David took on Goliath. And his answer to Goliath was, you uncircumcised Philistine, you who defile our God, I'm going to take you down. Why? Because he knew who his God was. Joshua, when entering the promised land, he didn't know whether God was going to go with him, but he made the statement. He says, as God says to him, he says, as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. And I want to say this to you, as God was with Moses, as God was with, Mo- with Joshua, as God was with David, as God was with Peter, and he's with you. Why? Because he doesn't have any favorites. You are his favorite. Tracy, you're his favorite. You're his favorite. Moses, when leading the children out of Egypt, if you don't go with us, don't send us. God, if you're not in this picture, we don't even want to try it. Vision ignites faith to believe. So now I want to make this personal. When you look at your life, what do you see? Have you sat with a pen and paper this year to write down things that you are aiming for? Have you noticed that a guy that that goes to the shooting range with his rifle, he doesn't aim at the target like this. He looks where he's aiming. He looks through the scope. He lines everything up. Have you got anything that you're aiming for? In your personal life, in your spiritual life, in maybe your work life, in maybe your family life. Are there certain things that you've written down, God, that's what I'm aiming for? I'm, I'm, I'm believing that these things will change. That's where we should start with our faith. When you look at Edgemead PM, what do you see? Nothing. No. We're going to see lots of things. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to see the church grow. We're going to, we, I made the statement last week. We're going to plant a congregation out of here. In Jesus' name. So are you ready? But to plant a congregation, we've got to grow. And there's been new people that are going to come. They need to be disciples. So who's going to disciple them? Me? No, we. Us. So are you ready to help me? Three of us. Good. Hopefully next week it's four. And the week after that's five. No, come on. We, we're going to do, but I don't know how to disciple, but it's fine. Just start. How do you, how do you start something? Just do what you know how. How did you grow? How do you read the word? How do you pray? Then just teach them that. That's all. There's no rocket science on, on doing these things. You see, serving God is easy. It's just about what I did. If you can do. Jesus said, that which I have done, John 14, you will do. Even greater, why? Because I'm not, I'm not hanging around. So in other words, what you see, you do. How have your children learned in life? Who's been your, the greatest modeler of your children's life? You're too scared to answer that question. You have as the parent. You're the modeler. They're watching you. You watch some children. They walk behind their parents, not like their parents, you know. However the parents walk. I hope this is helping somebody. 
And here's the deal. You can't go from zero to hero in one move. It's, you, you can't just wake up tomorrow morning and say, I'm this brilliant Christian. I'm spiritually sharp. No, no, no. You're going to become a hero one day at a time. One day at a time. If you will do something today. If you'll do something tomorrow, if you'll do something the next day, if you will challenge your comfort zone on Tuesday, if you, if you will go and just make a phone call to somebody on Wednesday that you don't even know, just make the phone call. What am I going to say? I don't know. Just make the phone call. And then let God create the opportunity of what to share in that phone call. You don't have to have always have the answers before you do it. You learn while you do it. You see, when I moved to South Africa, I didn't have the opportunity to come and test drive to see what it was like living in South Africa. I had to undo and come and connect. Was it easy? I call Noena. We cried long tears. We longed back for a lot of the things that I, I knew and I was comfortable with in Zimbabwe. But eventually, I had to let go completely. And I had to make South Africa home. I had to take on the culture, the way, the life, the everything. I had to change. See, because in, in Zimbabwe, we used to go and shop in Macy's. You don't have a Macy's here. You've got a spa. You've got a, other stuff. You have to find those things. Here's the next thing. You cannot believe God to raise the dead if you've not prayed for a headache yet. You cannot believe God for a thousand rand if you've not believed God for ten rand. Faith starts tiny. And then you build. You build. So vision stirs faith inside me. So what are you aiming at? If you're aiming for nothing, then there's nothing to stretch your faith towards. But if you're aiming for something, the journey is about to get exciting. In Jesus' name. I read that scripture to you once again. John 14, 12. Very, very, I tell you, whoever believes in me what, uh, will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater than these things because I am going to the Father. You're going to do greater. You're not going to do greater miracles than Jesus because Jesus did everything. But the quantity of those miracles through you are going to be more. Why? Because you're going to be here longer than he was. Amen. And can I ask you a favor? When God does start to use you, don't elevate yourself. Give him the glory always. Pass it on to him. If somebody, listen, God uses people to do things. And never ever let the praise stick here. When the praise comes, say, Father, I thank you for the gift you've given me. Thank you for the breath that you've given me. So that's why I can do this thing. I honor you. Thank you for being faithful to your word. Just pass the praise right on. And pride will not stick to you. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your wonderful word. We love you. We thank you that your word inspires us to become great and do great things for you. In Jesus' name. And I'm praying that, Father, today that you would ignite our faith to believe you for more. That, Lord, we would have an appetite to see the miracle-working power of Jesus operate in this place, in, in our community, in our working environment, wherever, Father, we desire to see the miracle-working power of Jesus flow. And so I pray for every single person here. 
If there's anything that Lord Jesus, maybe our thought life, maybe our background, where we've come from, what we've gone through, whatever there is that the enemy is using that is being a blockage right now, I speak to that thing by the name of Jesus. I break its power over every single one of our lives. I pray that, Lord, your word says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. I pray for a new freedom. I pray for a new liberty. And I pray for a new boldness to come upon every single one of us. In Jesus' name. And I thank you that your name would be magnified and glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name. We don't want to take your glory. We don't want to share your glory. We just want to build your kingdom with you. And will you work through us, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I speak to every power of darkness in the heavenlies. And we declare that we will stand up for what is right. We will believe and trust God to see him do great things. We call people into this building that do not know you in Jesus' name. We ask that, God, you would infect and affect our, our friendship circles, our neighbors, people, the people that we, we cross our paths in the, in the shopping centers. Every, everywhere we go, Father, I pray that we would be the fragrance of Jesus, that when we open our mouths, your power would hit them. And change their life forever. In Jesus' name. Father, we're going in to an exciting, exciting time. Raise our expectations for you to move on our behalf, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And just the, this, the, 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 the privacy of this moment. If you're sitting in this room today and you do not know Jesus Christ. You've heard about him. You maybe gone to, to Sunday school, children's church, whatever they called it. You maybe been grown up in a, in a in a Christian family, but you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life. The reason why you're on this earth is because God created you, and He created you to have a relationship with Him. But unfortunately, sin disconnected us. But he loved us so much that he didn't want to see us totally separated from him forever. So his son Jesus Christ came and paid that price, what sin separated us, so that you and I could have the choice of coming back to the Father. And Jesus said this, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man will come to the Father except through me. By acknowledging who Jesus Christ is, and the price that he paid on the cross for our sin, you and I become children of God again. That's the only way back to God. That's the only way for my eternity to be connected with heaven. Is there anybody in this room, you say, I do not know Jesus Christ, or I used to know him, but I really have become cold. I'm not serving him any longer like I used to, and I'm coming today, and I want to bow my knee. I realize that I am, I am lost again, or I'm still lost, and I need a Savior, His name is Jesus. Is there anybody here that we can pray with and pray for? Will you just, in this moment, just quickly put up your hand and say, yes, that's me. Will you pray for me, please? We don't want to embarrass you, but we sure want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. That's the greatest decision that you will ever make. Is there anybody in this room? I need Jesus Christ. If you're not sure, make sure. Nobody. Okay. Father, I commit all of us to you now. I want to thank you 
for breathing your life on us. I want to thank you for exciting us through your word. I want to thank you that caused a longing in us for your presence. And we want to see your glory fall. We want to have amazing times in your presence, but not just to bless us. So that we can be equipped that when we walk out of this place, we radiate for you. And we are equipped for you. And we will be obedient to you in Jesus' name. So will you bless every family? Bless bless every business, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an absolutely amazing week. And if there's somebody, maybe just look around quickly before you run away. If there's somebody that you don't know, will you be bold enough just to go across to them and just shake their hand, introduce yourself? Will you do that? Will you do that? Good. Thank you. And if you know everybody, just go and greet somebody anyway.